And after you read the paper, you come to the conclusion that separation of concerns just basically means you focus on only one aspect of a subject at a time without losing all of the rest around it. You keep your eye on all of the rest around it, but you just focus on one aspect at a time. And that's it. That's just separation of concerns. So hello, everyone. We want to talk today about programming principles again. And in the last week, we ran a poll. And the poll was that we need to talk about separations of concerns more in detail. And this is what we're going to do today. And we want to go into more detail about what those principles really are. So the last time we talked about the why, but let's go into detail and talk about those in a more deep dive way. And for this, I have Nicolas today. He is a specialist for this. He is a trainer and a coach for this, and he helps developers understand those things better. And this is the reason why he is there today. He can explain it a little bit better than I do. And it's all good chance for every one of us to learn new things. So I feel invited to that one. Just for you to know, before we dive into that, we will have several others in a row afterwards as well. So there will be in the next days coming more and more of those principles explained. So we're going over to KISS. We will explain cohesion and coupling. We will explain dry and how those things actually work together. And now let's dive straight into it. So Nicolas, can you explain to our audience, please, what separation of concerns really is and what people are thinking of what it is? Yeah, I'll start with what I guess that people think it is, or at least it's the, the definition that I've heard the most. And so when people say separation of concerns, they think that it's only about separating their UI from their business logic and then their domain from their business logic. So for them, separation of concerns is just all about layers in your code and it ends there. That's it. And that's, in my opinion, not completely correct. So separation of concerns actually was invented. This is a bit of history, right? If you, if you really want to know what a principle is, just look back at who invented it and what they actually meant by it, right? And so separation of concerns was coined by a Dutch mathematician who is called Edsger Dijkstra. And he wrote once a paper, and in that paper, he coined the term separation of concerns. And after you read the paper, you come to the conclusion that separation of concerns just basically means you focus on only one aspect of a subject at a time without losing all of the rest around it. You keep your eye on all of the rest around it, but you just focus on one aspect at a time. And that's it. That's just separation of concerns. No more, no less. So originally, you could say that separation of concerns had nothing to do with software design. Dr. Dijkstra actually used it in the context of studying and in the context of schools and universities. And he said, well, software is not really a subject on its own. And if we really want to make it a subject on its own, we need to put some focus on it instead of bringing physics and mathematics and whatever always in the loop. We need this separation of concerns, hence him coining the turn. But if you turn that into a principle for software design, then what are we talking about? So when you say focus on only one aspect of a subject, if you translate that into software design, it just 
means that you separate your problem into different sections so that you can focus on the implementation of each one of these sections, right? And then when I say sections, of course, layering is part of that, but it's not the only part. You also have different sections in your problem. For example, if you have an application and you have multiple stakeholders, multiple users, and some of these users are going to need different things. And each one of these things that they need or want is a different section. It's a different concern. And so in order to solve it or to solve it properly, you need to separate them. They cannot mix. If you solve them with code, then code for one need or one requirement shouldn't be mixed with code for another requirement. Mm -hmm. If you look at it at the layering, those are just different concerns, right? I mean, what, what is UI doing is just showing stuff on the screen. So it should have nothing to do with figuring out or calculating what should be shown on the screen data and the information. It just concerns itself with showing how will the information be shown on the screen, right? Then you have your business logic, which does the calculations, and then you have your domain, which is concerned with what am I going to put together and how am I going to represent my domain? And why is, is separation of concerns so important? It's because if you want to enable change, and this is the hands-on goal of software design, right? We have our code base and we want to enable change. And you cannot enable change without separating things from each other. If things are not separated, then they are going to change together. Mm -hmm. And that's why separation of concerns is so important in software. Okay, then I put that topic now on the strategic level. You talked about the operational level. So programmers program Oof. that, developers do their thing. And, you know, we put the first version of a code base out. We have several functions there, several classes maybe. And let's say several months later, they're already looking different. Let's say if you have coupled them very early on, then you have the problem that the longer the code base exists, the more spaghetti-like they become. You know, as you said, you make a change and this change will change other things as well. And on some point, it, you lose control because it is basically the visibility, readability, and maintainability, it drops to a point where you are afraid to make changes. And this is actually the point where you start to talk about a legacy application. And this is on a strategic level, one of the most feared scenarios for CTOs to have or run with the application after two or three years already in a legacy state where you have problems like stagnation, you have problems like frustration, and you know people are not willing to work on your code base anymore. Clients are, let's say, angry about different things, and you should avoid those things. You mentioned uh, two different things, the architectural level, so where we separate different parts of the application, and we have the layer where we work with code, with functions. And this is, for me, the big topic about microservices. So the only reason why microservices are widely adopted and even, you know, there are a lot of people saying, oh, you shouldn't use them. But this is another, another topic now. So the reason why they are used is because they follow this idea of separation of concerns as the basic foundation. So if you don't follow them, they are no microservices. And the idea is to be able to scale them separately, that you'll be able to work easily on one topic, you know, one concern at a time. 
So one microservices covers one concern. So of course it can be a grouped concern, but it should be in the, the idea within the application should be a one, a single unit in this case. And of course you can reuse those things. You can test it easier. It is basically modular. So you can move the parts around, maybe put it to another application. For example, you create a mini chat application within your application and you separate it from your main application, then you can reuse this application in another application as well. And the yeah. thing is, it is not part of one of those applications each, it's a part in between, which is then a microservice. So just for the strategic idea, this is separation of concerns there, to have those strategic advantages, even if it's a little bit more complicated in the beginning. Would you say that it is more complicated to work entirely separated and decoupled? Or would you say it is easier to work in a coupled monolithic way? What decoupling and separation does is that it enables people to work together on different things at the same time. So if you have microservices and, for example, you have your, your big application divided in a couple of domains and each domain is one microservice, then people can work on the same application at the same time, but on different separated parts. and. That's, well, people might hate me for this, but that's the ideal way of doing parallel work inside one microservices. If your code has been separated nicely, if you have decent components and whatnot, then of course you can work together at the same microservice as well. So separation, it doesn't really matter on which level, you know, like on a high level, on a microservice level, it will help with enabling teamwork and whatnot. On a code level, if you separate your different concerns and your different needs and components and whatnot, it will also enable teamwork. So absolutely, separation of concerns will do that for you. Then I have a last question. Would you say that separation of concerns is a must-have as a foundational principle within a team of a yes. software development company? Yes. However, I need to be careful we said it before we started this recording, right? You cannot look at one principle or one concept at the same time and say something true about it. You need to put it in context. So of course you, you needing it is maybe a big word, but it will help you a lot if you have it on, it doesn't matter on which level. I mean, if you have it on a high level, for example, microservices or something like that, for sure it's going to help you tremendously but putting in that in context if you have multiple teams to support that right if there's only if you only have four programmers but 25 microservices in different domains to maintain it's going to be a bit harder on a lower level on a code level if you have separated your components if you don't want to get stuck if you don't if you want to keep evolving it's a must have thing it, it doesn't matter where if it's on the level of your code if it's on the level of your architecture if it's on the level of your organization you need it if you want to evolve so if we want to provide some takeaway for our listeners mm -hmm. what would you say is the best way for a team of developers to get into separation of concerns when they haven't thought about that yet but want to learn it they should start thinking in terms of change and we are getting ahead a little bit but separation of concerns the easiest way of applying it and learning it 
is starting to think of what will change together and what should not change together. And that's basically cohesion and coupling. You want high cohesion, and that's just thinking what different parts, be it on an architectural level. For example, if you have microservices and you have an ordered domain, I'm just pulling stuff on the, from the top of my head, right? You have an, an order domain and you have a user's domain or a customer's domain. If you change something in the order's domain, you don't want anything to change for customers, or how you save customers or how you manage customers, right? So that's how I teach it to people. Think about what will change together, you know, orders and, and items on an order. If I change something on an item of an order, how it looks like or, or how we modeled it, for sure, it's, it's okay if it also changes how we model an order, right? But it shouldn't change how we save customers or it shouldn't change how we create invoices or something like that. Okay, great. So thank you very much for those insights. And everyone who's listening to that, stay tuned. We will talk about KISS in some days. We will talk about coupling and cohesion, which was just mentioned by Nicholas in the next days. So if you want to learn more about that, stay tuned. And uh, we are happy to receive feedback if this was helpful to you or not. Okay, then. Thank you very much and have a nice evening then.